What is agriculture? Do they really use antibiotics? Why are tractors so big? Is organic really better? Why do they use chemicals? Does chocolate milk come from brown cows? Why don't we all just eat local? Hello and welcome to episode two of the Ag For You podcast with me, your host, Dustin Bartlett. This is going to be a part one of a two-part series on one of the most talked about topics revolving agriculture from people outside of agriculture. That's right, we're going to talk about the scary GMOs. All right, so I'm assuming that most of you know that I don't think that GMOs are scary. In fact, I don't think that anyone should think GMOs are scary. I think the problem is that most people think they're scary because they have no idea what they are. They've heard about GMOs from people outside of the industry and people that are in the industry who are trying to sell products at a premium. So what they're saying, yeah, I I get it. I, I could see why people would be a little scared of them. But when you actually think about what they are and then what they're used for, and then what they could be used for, it starts to settle in like, yeah, maybe GMOs aren't such a bad thing. So in part one, I want to talk about what GMOs actually are and why they have the name that they do. And then in part two, I want to cover all of the reasons that we have them, what we do with them, and what we could potentially do with them. So I hope you get something out of this part one of this two-part series and then that you join me for the part two of this series because that's really where I think it'll drive it all home on everything about GMOs. So let's start with the name, GMO. What does GMO even stand for? A lot of people probably don't know this. There's probably some that out there who do. But GMO stands for Genetically Modified Organisms. That means that a lot of people might think that anything out of relative nature is a genetic modification and actually it is but to be a GMO the USDA and the science community says that for something to be considered a GMO so be a genetically modified organism it has to be an animal or a plant that has been created through genetic engineering so why is that term genetic engineering so important to the definition of what a GMO is well because If you think about it, we manipulate genetics or the genome all the time. So now at this point, I know there's probably a few people out there saying, you weren't going to make this super sciencey. Why do I have to know what a genome is? All right. So really quick, anytime two people, two animals, two plants reproduce, they are sending DNA from each other to make a new life form. The new life form does not take everything from both parents and then have a double DNA. What it does is it takes some of each and it makes a new human or a new plant or a new 
animal. So, yes, that means whenever you have a child, you are genetically modifying you and your partner's DNA to make a new life form. Well, here's the thing. GMOs, genetic engineering, is a little bit different than just genetic modification. We have actually been genetically modifying things for thousands and thousands of years. The biggest example of this is actually house pets. A lot of house pets first were animals that were captured and they were bred with other animals that were captured. And what they did is they would take certain offspring that maybe were a little bit tamer or a different color or a little bit uh, some type of characteristic that they wanted and they would use that one to breed another one. And then what they would do is they would look and take the genetics that they wanted out of one. Uh, this one has long hair. This one has short legs. And they would breed and breed and breed and breed. And over time, you would get new types of animals. They are much different from the animals that were wild. But if you domesticate them and you breed for things you want, you get a lab or you get a certain type of cat. Another example is corn. I wonder how many people actually know that corn is just a grass. It was developed in central Mexico roughly 7,000 years ago. It started as just a wild grass that did not look like corn as today. It didn't have kernels that were all the way around. They weren't close together. Um, and over 7,000 years, we have the corn that we have today. And all that was was because they took it, they cross-pollinated this wild grass, they got something, they cross-pollinated again and again and again and again, and you get corn. Since we have been modifying genetics for so long, why can't we just say, all right, well, GMOs, genetically modified organisms, we've been doing that forever. All right, case closed. Well, that is where the genetic engineering comes in. A really good example of this is actually one that I heard while doing some research for this exact topic when I was in school, is from Dr. Peter Goldsborough, who is a professor at Purdue University, gives an example of the blue rose. If you think about roses, you probably haven't seen many blue roses. And to be honest, you probably haven't seen many blue plants. And so when he talks about this in terms of genetic modification and genetic engineering, if you take two roses and cross them, you there's most likely no way you're going to get an offspring that is a blue variation of a rose. But if we find a gene located in a different plant that we could cut out and insert into a rose gene, then we have the chances of getting a blue rose. And that is where the difference between genetically modifying and genetically engineering something is. Genetic modification, again, is just crossing and seeing what you get. Genetic engineering is actually finding a gene within an, another species, a bacteria, and cutting that gene out and inserting it into the genome of a different species that you're trying to get some characteristic into. So I don't know if you caught that, but I said you take a gene from something natural and insert it into another natural thing. And this is a huge revelation for a lot of people. Why this is important is 
I have actually seen on Facebook, in comments, people saying that the way they get crops that are Roundup resistant or herbicide resistant is they actually take the seeds and inject the seed with the herbicide. And that makes it not work on that seed anymore. I may or may not have responded to these people and asked them, all right, so do you have to do this to every seed or just a few of the seeds? And everyone says, every seed. Well, we'll get into it a little bit later on, on how we actually grow a crop. But a really quick example of why this would be utter nonsense is that, take soybeans for example. We plant soybeans at 140,000 seeds per acre. Now take that acre and multiply it by another 100. And that's how many seeds would be in it. So... In this person's example of how genetic modification works and, and how we get Roundup-ready crops, you have to take every seed and inject it with Roundup, and then it then it's good against Roundup. And you have to do this on 140,000 seeds per acre over every acre that they get planted. There is no way that this would ever work. And that is a good example of why people have no idea that genetic engineering is taking something natural and putting it into something else natural. And the only difference is the process at which that is done. And that is the not natural part. But sometimes we actually do it with natural things. We can take a gene from one corn and we wanted to put it into a different corn. And we can take cut that gene and put it in. And that actually just speeds up the transfer and we are more likely to get the characteristic we want. Now, we could have taken it and we could have crossbred it and then seen if we got the gene that we wanted and then crossbred it again and then again and again and, and keep trying to get it that way. But this speeds it up and it makes it more efficient. And that way we can get the benefits without the time. So that is why, to me, GMOs are, not, are nothing to be scared of. Now, people will say, well, how do we know how they're going to affect us? If we eat them, how do we know they're not going to affect us? Well, when you eat a carrot, do you become a carrot? Does any type of carrot DNA transfer to your DNA? Or after you eat a steak, do you feel like standing around and chewing your cud for a long time and mooing? No, because when you eat, you don't transfer DNA. You transfer the nutrients that that organism, that food that you ate, has into your body, and it breaks it down, and that's where you get your energy. So a lot of people will say, well, okay, we're not genetically engineering ourselves. We're not doing that process to us. But if I eat it, or if I eat what eats it, then that is a genetic modification. And that is not at all true. It just isn't. Because if that was the case, like I said, anytime you ate an orange or an apple or any type of food, you would become that. So when a cow eats genetically modified corn, it is not getting any DNA transfer. So it cannot have that. What the cow is getting is getting the nutrients from that corn broken down everything that it 
doesn't need to run its cells goes out in waste, in manure or urine. So that is why I have a hard time with people actually thinking that if I eat a GMO, I will become a GMO. Now I will admit, there is a lot of science that goes into this, and that can make people feel uneasy. But if you just sit back and think about the simple reason that we eat to get nutrients and how that process works, so the sun gives energy to the plants to make nutrients, the plants make the nutrients to feed their cells and grow big, the cow come in, eats the nutrients by eating the plant, the cow uses those nutrients to make itself big, and then we eat the cow and get those nutrients into our body, and then we go on and complain about GMOs. That's how the process works. If we think about it that way, you'll start to see GMOs a different way. All we're doing again is taking some gene out of something natural and putting it into another natural thing and getting what we want out of it. So why this push on GMOs? If you think about agriculture and you think about the food industry in, in a whole, you get a premium if you can make people want something over another thing. And if you just take corn or any type of food, well, how can we make people want this food that is the same as this food, but we want them to want that more and, and pay a little bit more? Well, that is when GMOs come into play. They can tell people that GMOs are bad, and this product, which is the same as this product, was made with no GMOs. And then, if people are scared of GMOs, they'll pay more for it. They'll say, no GMOs? Oh, I want that. I don't care how much it costs. It's something I need because it doesn't have a GMO in it. And that food then gets marked up a certain percentage, which the consumer ends up paying for because it doesn't have GMOs. There's been some research done that food that is labeled non-GMO versus food that is not labeled non-GMO is actually about 40% more of a markup than the food that is not labeled non-GMO. Even though it could be the exact same type of food, once that label goes on it, they can mark it up and people are going to pay for it. So not to, not to be conspiracy theory minded, but if you look at it and you have something that you can say is bad, you can get people to pay more. That means there's a good chance that they're going to do it and they have done it. And that's why a lot of people get false information on what GMOs are. So now let's talk about the good of GMOs and how they help farmers, help the environment, and help the consumer. But unfortunately, this is all the time I've got today. So let's save that for part two of this episode. So if you, if you want to know all the good sides of GMO, then tune in to the next episode of the Ag For You podcast. And remember, Ag is for you. Hey, thanks again for listening to this episode. If you ever have any questions or concerns, please reach out to me. I, I really like feedback and I hope to make this podcast a better one with it. 
Thanks again.